Hello, folks. Welcome to the podcast. If you have ever uh, been curious about near-death experiences and how they can completely change your life um, in terms of attitude, beliefs, direction in life, this show is for you. I want you to meet um, my friend, Dr. Lottie Valentin. And Dr. Lottie is uh, from Arizona and uh, she's an interesting lady. She's an author and a naturopathic doctor. And uh, she's had not just one, but two near-death experiences. And uh, she's here to tell us all about what that, uh, how that changed her and where she's going with it. And it's an interesting, interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, friends. Welcome to season two of the Broken Open podcast. I'm Maureen Towns, author, speaker, expert on finding calm amidst chaos of helping those that you love with mental health and addictions issues. If you like what you hear on this podcast, be sure to subscribe so that you're the first to know when new episodes are released and visit maureentowns.com to get in touch, stay current on our programs, Footsteps for Families and Freedom from Intergenerational Trauma, as well as updates on the book, which has just been released called broken open. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Dr. Lottie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. It's an All honor. the way from, from the beautiful weather in Arizona. Yeah, it's nice and warm, actually. It's, nice. it's just so nice. This time of the year, it's like 70s and sunny. I'm so sorry that you guys are freezing We're up there. We're freezing to death here. <laughs> it's really oh, nice, right? This is why we live in Arizona, but don't talk to us in the summer because it's okay. just awfully hot. Like you yeah. can't even go outside. So yeah, it's like 120 you know, in the shade. Yeah. Well, this yeah, is your time of year brutal. then. Yeah. So it's nice. So you have an interesting background and I've, I've heard you on other podcasts telling your story. Um, I'm going to, can you summarize for us a little bit? Cause I know it's a long story, but can you summarize for us um, your background before I ask you the broken open question? Summarize my background. Okay. So I was born and raised in Sweden, in Scandinavia, yes. yep. um, which is a socialistic country. You know, you have free school lunches and free healthcare in schools, yeah. um, but it has, uh, the economy is um, like a, a United States economy. Okay. Um, and then when I was 21, I moved to the United States. I transferred from Stockholm's University to Boston University, and I got married to an American. Mm -hmm. And then I worked for IBM as a programmer and systems analyst in New York. Mm -hmm. And then um, after having one child, after uh, work, going back to work and work for a while, I stayed home and then had two more children. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I ended up in, in computer science because I'm like uh, very logical and very structured. I did not believe in anything. I was a complete atheist. If you can't touch it, feel it, smell it, and hear it, as far as I was concerned, 
it did not exist. Right. I did not have any religious beliefs at all. And just literally a complete atheist. When you die, it's dark, that's it, you're gone. Like you yeah. stamp on a fly and that's it. Mm. And after my third child was born, um, I hemorrhaged basically to death in the emergency room. I had, I hemorrhaged, went to the ER, was sent home, then saw the doctor, he, they didn't do anything. This is in 1992, mm -hmm. hemorrhaged again. So back in the ER and um, the blood clots were the size of a, of a baby's head. They were mm. just ginormous blood clots. And the fifth time I hemorrhaged, luckily I was in the ER. Um, I had what's called a near-death experience. And that is when you're either dead and you leave your body or you're very, very close to death and you leave your body. Mm. Um, so I had a near-death experience, went to the other side and um, realized that there was just unconditional love and mm. peace. And you had the access to time. There was no time on the other side. Mm. Um, and then was sucked back into my body, <laughs> like mm -hmm. a giant vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And then I was really sick. Um, I got really sick. I started getting bruises like nine months later and went to the doctor. And this went on for quite some time. And later on, we figured out that I had a bone marrow suppression. Mm. But I was really, really sick. And after I had the near-death experience, now I don't know if it's because of the near-death experience or being so sick, but it was as if my soul was never back in my body it just mm. kept trying to leave I was just so sick and just felt like I was going to pass out I couldn't go to the grocery store without putting my head down uh, people would come up to me in the store and say are you feeling okay you look like you're going to pass out yeah. and in my head I would be oh I got like 30 more seconds before I'm you know gonna like things start turning black I was just existing in that kind of environment I was just constantly feeling like my soul was going to take off and leave so then I had a second near-death experience um, two years into um, my daughter, my third child being two. And I just left in the middle of the night and I went to this place um, that I called the mid-station because it was as if there were levels below me and levels above me. Mm. But then um, I heard the most beautiful music and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And I look around, though I, I don't have a body. I'm just looking around. And I see a little log cabin. So I open the door and I look inside and I'm thinking the music is coming from there, but mm. there is nothing there. And then I turn to the other side, there's another log cabin. And it's just fascinating. Like, why did I see log cabins? But everybody sees different things. And mm -hmm. some people, some people will meet uh, their, their um, ancestors, their parents, their grandparents. No, I, this is enough. Some people would see beautiful fields and flowers and mountains. Mm -hmm. I saw log cabins <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I opened the other door and the music, there was nothing in there either. But then I become aware of this very, very bright white light. And it is the brightest, whitest light. I can't even describe it. Like I've tried to find images on the internet that looks like this. If you took a picture of the sun straight into the sun, but it's even brighter than that. It is the mm -hmm. brightest, whitest light ever. But from this light, the music came from the light. Mm. But there were angels that, that were singing that made the music. But I didn't believe in any of it. I didn't believe in angels. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe. I had no religious beliefs whatsoever, even though I had left my body once in the ER, but I didn't leave the ER. I was in the room of the ER mm. when I left my body. And now I'm traveled like all the way to some other side, which is probably right next to us. But then um, the when I'm in the light, it is the realization that 
we are light we come from this light it is like the divine source mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what you call it you can call it whatever you want because mm -hmm. these are terms that we made up here on earth to call the divine source something god or if you have another god right mm -hmm. doesn't really matter what it is but then i became aware of two uh like spirit guides and there was one on my right and one uh diagonally to the left of me in front of me but then the one on my right was talking to the other spirit guide and he said what is she doing here she can't be here and i'm like no 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 like i'm not going back like how does this work how can i be outside my body and still be me right because yeah. i didn't have any belief that there was any kind of soul or spirit or anything it's just your body the body dies that's it you're gone yeah. Yeah. but here i am i'm existing in some other state yeah without my body right yeah and so i'm like how does this work how can this be and the spirit guide to my left says well if i told you you wouldn't believe you wouldn't like remember it later on and i've heard other people talk about this now later just in the last few years yeah. that i've gotten more involved with uh, organizations and heard many other stories that it's uh somehow they can sort of control what we get to remember and yeah. a lot of other people have had similar experiences but then it was like a like kind of like a movie screen because the pictures just appear yeah. but then i saw the earth from the moon and it was like a silvery glittery fishnet around the earth and the reason i say that is because i grew up in sweden and i would row the boat from my grandmother when we lay the net in the ocean mm -hmm. and when she lifted those nets out early in the morning the water on the fishnet would like shimmer in the mm -hmm. sunlight and so that's what it looked to me in 1990 this is now 1994 and there was no internet back then right so we didn't have access to the kind of images that we have today and now i know people refer to it as the grid mm. right and you can see pictures on the internet and it looks just like that um and it wasn't until like 2013 2014 that i realized you know my daughter told me oh my gosh i told my daughter about this and she's like oh my god those images are on the internet mom <laughs> but i had done research in the libraries back in the 90, 1990s and there wasn't anything for me to find. So mm. I thought I was crazy this whole time. But anyway, so he shows me that there is a silvery glittery fishnet around the earth. And he says, everything on earth is connected to each other, mm -hmm. but everything on earth is connected up mm. to this grid. And with that, I was sent back to earth. Mm. And so this is now 1994 mm. and it was after these experiences I started becoming clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient. And I started to hear things or see things before they would happen. And I would tell the family. And you know, just one thing led to another. Mm. But that is then what propelled me to change my whole life because mm. now I understood that you don't just die and go away forever. The way I exist now in my body is i'm having an earthly experience mm -hmm. when i pass when i my body my physical body dies i basically step out mm -hmm. and i'm still me and i yeah. exist now in a different state right. and that is why we can communicate with the spirit world okay. right because we can communicate with those that have that have left us so becoming more and more clairvoyant and clairaudient and clairsentient over the years this is my short version of this all this <laughs> Well, so yeah, I became I mean, more clairvoyant and clairaudient. And then that then led me to start hearing things and seeing things before they happen. And, and I was literally guided in 
2004, which was 12 years. My daughter was not 12. And so it was uh, 10 years and 12 years after my near-death experiences, I had um, like a spirit entities visit me and they would tell me things all the time. People were sick and I would call them and my, you know, you're going to be in an accident and, and then that happens. And it was just my normal life. So I had, you know, 12 years of just starting to see things and learn and it, they would always come true. And I would tell my family and they told me I had to go to medical school and I had to become a doctor, a naturopathic doctor. I had to combine East and West. And that's kind of what naturopathic medicine is, but it's yeah. also the thinking of East and West and bringing that together. Mm-hmm. And then um, to bring messages and healing to the people and to write two books, no wait, three. So I've written my first book. So I went to medical school. I started my prereqs. I was enrolled in um, prereq medical school within a week of these mm. messages in 2004. <laughs> literally two weeks later, I was in class. And because at that point, after 12 years of hearing and seeing things coming true, you're just like, okay, I got it. I, I, yeah, you uh, just I, learned I to trust it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. And I asked, I said, well, what do you mean writing a book? Like what book? I've never thought of myself as being an author. Yeah. And the spirit guides were just like, we'll tell you when the time is right. Like okay. right now, focus on becoming a doctor. And it was that, you know, strong of a message. And I didn't understand. I said, well, what, what do you mean messages? Bring messages and healing to the people. And they're like, we'll tell you later. And okay. then I went to med school in 2012, graduated in 2016, and did my residency until 2018, then opened up my own practice in uh, January 2019 in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Right. And it was as soon as I graduated, literally, I had just taken my board exams. I, w- I didn't even have my license yet. And I meet this woman who says, um, and she's like, we met at a, at a course and she's like, I'm a medium and I have your mother with me. Are you open to receiving messages? And I said, sure. And I was just kind of laughing at it. Cause it's like, she's not gonna know anything about me. I was raised in Europe. She couldn't even guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course she, it was, she was spot on. It was definitely my mother. Yeah. And she was like, you have to go to Arthur Finley college to study mediumship. And so then Alpha went to England to study mediumship and then became a medium. <laughs> and so now I understand what they meant when they said to bring messages to people, because that's how you refer to getting a message from the spirit world that you then give to the, to the person you're doing a reading for. So bringing messages and healing to the people now finally makes sense. Got <laughs> it. I got that message in 2004 and it wasn't until 2017 that all of a sudden I, I was at Arthur Finley College and they started saying, you know, you're bringing a message. You're bringing a message to your client. You're bringing a message from the spirit world. And I was like, oh my gosh, there it is. Yeah. Like I never under, even understood where that was going to come in. And then I wrote my first book as soon as I graduated, yeah. which is called Med School After Menopause, right. The Journey on My Soul, which yeah. has all these crazy stories in them, but it's also to help people heal. But um, that thing of, you're to write two books, no wait, three. I have received that same message from four different mediums, two in the United States and two in England. And the message always comes through the same way. And they say, I have your mother with me. She tells me you're writing a book. And then they'll say, oh wait, she's saying you're to write two books, no wait, three. And that message is the exact same message I received in 2004. And I've gotten it from four different mediums. It delivered the exact same way each time. So, so you're a medium, but you mm-hmm. have other mediums. 
Right. So you, when you go to Arthur Finley College, for example, in England, which is a, a world-renowned uh, college for psychic science, and yeah. those are like the best mediums in the world. Uh, the teachers there have been working as a professional medium for you know 25 30 years they do this every single day they are absolutely phenomenal and so when you go there you work with you know the teachers and you work with the other students that are coming from all over the world so you're getting messages with each other practicing Mm -hmm. with each other yeah Mm -hmm. and the teachers that was the short version That's a lot, man. So yeah, like I've heard you tell this story and I'm, I'm like, holy smokes, man. I didn't know about the log cabins. And mm-hmm. um, so, so what would you say to skeptics who would say to you, well, I mean, you, you went to sleep one night and you had a near-death experience. Uh, some of us would call that a dream. How do you know that wasn't a dream? How do you know that was a near-death experience? Right. So exactly. I get that because I thought I was crazy for many, many years. I was like, how do I know? I can't prove it. I wasn't in the ER. I don't know what my blood pressure was at. Mm. Um, You know, Um, it was just the usual thing. Waking up, I get faint. I take my head off the pillow. I couldn't even keep my head on a pillow many nights. And off I went. Now, if you call it uh, a near-death experience or a spiritually transformative event, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter to me. Because... Uh, it doesn't really matter because we all have spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm trying to teach people is that you all have these experiences. And once you start talking about it, you know, people say, oh yeah, you know, I felt like my grandmother, my grandmother told me that, you know, I could find my car keys over underneath the bureau, the cat, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. People get messages all the time, but then they question them and said, oh, well, maybe it was just a coincidence or maybe Mm -hmm. it was just um you know my imagination so the thing of having when you have an event like that a near-death experience or spirit spiritually transformative event it doesn't matter what you call it in the end but the only thing that matters is that you had this some kind of a spiritual experience that then transformed your life right doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you call it no. And where do you think that urge comes from in people to explain it away? Uh, because say, we are human. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I was one of those. I know, people. I know. I know. Until I was 28 years old. I was yeah, well, actually I was 34 when I had my first near death experience. And uh, I was one of those people that did not believe in anything. And I would have just laughed at somebody that would have told them if sure. I was somebody else you know, that told my, my old self, yeah. my story, I would have said, wow, that person is like crazy. I don't mm-hmm. know what an imagination or they probably dreamt it. And I would completely explain it away because mm-hmm. that was my belief system then. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you also, to a certain extent, create your own world based on your own belief system. Mm-hmm. Right. So you see the world from your own experiences that you have had. And if you haven't had an experience like that, and you don't come from a religious background, you're not probably going to take that for granted saying, it just oh, yeah, doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense yeah. till it makes sense. I get yeah. that. That's good. Yeah. So, um, you talk about be so you were you if it, you if it wasn't concrete and tangible you didn't believe it suddenly you have this transformative experience you become clairvoyant clairaudient clairsentient um 
tell us please what those words mean real quickly and then i have mm -hmm. a question about that okay so clairvoyant means that you see things clairaudient means that you hear things mm -hmm. and clairsentient means that you're feeling things okay so you're hearing but it's not the way we're hearing right now mm -hmm. it is not the voice inside your head that's thinking and it's not hearing with your ears you're hearing it from somewhere else it's kind of like omnipresent hearing mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i get what you mean because mm -hmm. there's sometimes i have a what do you call it claire something where i just know something oh yeah um i just suddenly know i can't think of which the word, way yes. to go i know what you mean yes. but it's claire something mm -hmm. so um now I've heard, I've heard or read about other people who've had near death experiences where they have this transform experience where they visit the other side and then mm -hmm. they come back and they really struggle for years to come to terms with the fact that they're in this seemingly finite world and yet they know of this other side this other presence this other place and and struggle to bring the two things together and and in your whole belief system, your whole direction in life changed drastically. I know it took a long time for you to get to the med school bit and then to get to the to the um, school. But I was there an adjustment period? Was this a, a hard thing for you or was it just like, oh, OK, the world's different than I thought? Oh, it's definitely a hard thing because everything is turned upside down for you. Yeah. And I as I didn't have any beliefs that your soul could exist outside the body, mm -hmm. I thought I was going crazy. Mm -hmm. I, I was scared of, of sharing my story with anybody. Yeah. And um, literally my mother-in-law uh, saved me. Um, she came to visit to help because I, I, was, I couldn't really do much. I basically slept for two months after that first near-death experience. So, and I told her what had happened and how I had left my body. And she mm. said, oh, you had what's called a near-death experience. Mm. And so with her help, she gave me Raymond Moody's books and I would read those. And there wasn't that much information on it. Um, I mean, those books were written like in the 1970s and 80s, I think, but it's not like today when so many people have come forward with their stories and helped all the, you know, all the other people, because this is something it's going to skyrocket the number of people that are going to have near-death experiences and then try to adjust that into their life with our modern technology of being able to revive people. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see a, a huge rise in people that have these experiences. And it's important for counselors to understand what happens. So mm -hmm. it turns your whole world upside down because yeah. nothing is what it was. You now have a completely different viewpoint of how you exist in this universe. It must feel so very alone, right? You're just, oh you, yeah, because be like nothing yeah yeah nothing is the same and you've turned all your beliefs inside out yeah and who do you talk yeah. to exactly and all your old friends probably don't believe they believe the same thing you do or yeah. did right yeah. that's why they're your friends because you get along with them you sort of resonate mm -hmm. with them and now all of a sudden you have a whole different viewpoint yeah and so uh the the changes can be so dramatic yeah. that the spouses don't even recognize their spouse anymore because mm. they've become so such a different person yeah and there's actually uh, you know very very high divorce rate mm. for people that have had near-death experiences because you change so much and that other person is like well, i don't know if you're not the person i married you've, yeah. you've changed a lot yeah because you know, your values everything changes the way you view everything yeah, you're opening up in a whole new way and, mm -hmm. and you're not relatable anymore to, to the old crowd. 
Right. And now I understand, like you alluded to, there's the, there's such a network of people who've experienced this and such a support network, I would imagine, and even conferences. Mm-hmm. So isn't that yeah. nice? Yeah, there's this huge organization. It's called IANS, International Association for Near-Death Studies, I-A-N-D-S.org. Okay. Yep. Um, it's a world organization and they do research all over the world. They have researchers in you know, Belgium, the Netherlands and, and England, and they're trying to you know, prove by researching people's near-death experiences. And they just came out actually on Netflix with um, a new series called Surviving Death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I see that. Um, Bruce Grayson is releasing his book called After uh, and it's near-death experience research and I've been part of of some of these research studies myself in the past but you know we've come to that point now when we're starting to be able to prove it so Mm, that's wild yeah it is wild (laughs) so you said that the second near-death experience you had you were there and you had this person on your left and this person on your Mm -hmm. right and they were talking and the one said um you asked a question he said well Mm -hmm you're not going to remember this. I could tell mm-hmm. you, but you won't really remember the answer. Mm-hmm. What's your understanding of why we don't get to know or why we don't get to remember? Because. All the things we <laughs> want to know and remember. What's what's going because on there? We're, because we're here to have an earthly experience. You know, we're not, if we knew everything that's going to happen, right? It's, it's that, it's our life, right? Yeah. We, we sort of incarnate, the way I look at it is we incarnate with an agenda, okay. right? And so I gave a talk at the big IONS conference last, um, uh, last uh, August, I think it was, and I had this um, sticky notepad and I would say, you know, it's kind of like you're up, you're up in heaven and you're like, oh, let me write a note about that. Oh, I'll take that one. Oh yeah, and then I'll get divorced later on and I'll take that note and oh yeah, I'm gonna flunk in school and I'm gonna do the wrong path. And then, you know, as you go through life, you're like, oh, you know, oh yeah, I saw that problem, get that note off, right? You go through the next problem, like you married the wrong person, you get a divorce and you're like, oh, I'm gonna get that off. I did that it's not coming off my nose not coming off what's happening and then you're like oh wait I made the same mistake again I married mm. the same kind of personality and then you marry the right person so you're in your fifth you know your fifth relationship and you're like okay the note's coming off right but it's kind of like that you you have certain tasks that or contracts or whatever you want to call mm. it and things to experience but then we live in a world where we get to choose what we do, mm-hmm. right? So I look at it like you come in covered in sticky notes or you have like a little backpack. I talk about it in my book, a backpack full of sticky notes mm-hmm. and you go through life and the more you resolve your problems, the more sticky notes you're throwing out mm-hmm. and your backpack gets lighter and lighter and lighter as you go through life because mm-hmm. you solve these problems that you incarnated mm-hmm. to solve. But mm-hmm. if you don't solve any of them, it's like, okay, I'm coming back in the next life with the same backpack because I didn't solve any of my problems. Okay, that's interesting. And you go through life and you're resolving these problems because without resolving them, your soul wouldn't grow because it really comes down to your soul growth. And and the world is a very dense place to exist, right? It's it's very Mm -hmm. dense and compact and we're sort of stuck in these little tiny bodies because when you're outside your body, you're you don't, you have no weight. You're just like, you know, <laughs> zero, Expensive. you weigh zero. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you just exist in some other state, almost like a gas state. You know what I'm saying? It's just, 
you don't have a heavy body. You go back into your body and it's just so dense and heavy and compact. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of squished into this little. Yeah. And your view is narrow. And yeah. yeah, it's just like, and you yeah. only see one thing at a time mm-hmm. and you see it from your perspective. Mm-hmm. And this is how things are because I'm relying on my own experiences. And this is how I perceive this problem. Mm. And it's not until you go through and you resolve problems and then your soul grows and you say, oh, wow, I solved our problems. But what? I changed my perception. I changed the way I perceive the problem because just like Einstein said, you can never, you can never solve a problem on the level on which it was created. Mm -hmm. And so you have to take that step, right? You have Mm -hmm. to kind of evolve your soul so that Mm -hmm. you can then find the resolution to that problem. And then now you're ready for your next sticky note because you solved Mm -hmm. that one. And then you go on and you, you keep evolving up and out. That's how I look at it. That's interesting. I like the analogy. I like the sticky notes and the solving (laughs) problems and the changing your perspective is, is solving a problem almost Mm -hmm. is what I was hearing you say, Mm -hmm. expanding your, your perspective and your, your view is how you come out the other side with growth. Um, So I've heard different takes on, um, you know, heaven and hell. Uh, There is no hell. Uh, there's only love, you know, so, and, and yet the word evil keeps coming up. This person's evil or that's evil. And I've at times been sort of like, well, I don't know if I believe in hell. So I don't know that I believe in evil. I just believe in distance from mm-hmm. source love. How do mm-hmm. you explain those concepts? Why we have, why we have evil? Well, or- what is, is there such a thing as evil or, and what is it? And is there a hell? And just curious where you're coming from with all right. that. Um, I think that when you pass on, you don't, you don't go to hell. I think that you, everybody goes to the light in the end. Right. Um, but when you say, you know, uh, is there evil? Everything has an opposite because we live in a dualistic world. So mm-hmm. without the evil, you wouldn't know what good is. Mm-hmm. You have to have evil. So you understand what gratitude and love is because mm. without evil you wouldn't have that understanding so it's like that for everything that exists is that you have an opposite it's like the yin and yang of our own mm. existence because otherwise we can't see it or understand it but i've never heard i've heard of people um that have near-death experiences that have a hellish like experience mm. and so all near-death experiences aren't about the love and the light there are people that have scary near-death experiences too and um you know, you can read all about that on the IANS website to have a, a, an astronomical amount of information um, mm. that you could learn more about that. But when you pass on to the spirit world, uh, if you ask anybody that is a medium, um, then they're going to tell you that I've never had anybody come visit you from, from hell, right? Because everybody comes from the spirit world and everybody's happy. It doesn't matter if they were a bad person mm-hmm. when they lived here, because now they're in the spirit world and, you know, people have what's called life reviews and they get to some people that have had near-death experiences have had life reviews and they come back and they said, I felt the pain that I caused the mm. other people. And it was, you know, not, not fun at all. And I saw how bad I had been and the influence I had had, and it completely changed these people. And they came back and now they became, you know, this most loving kindest person mm. because they saw that. And so, I think that when you pass over, it's 
you know, you get to see what you did wrong and you mm-hmm. might have feel those experiences. And could that be hellish in itself? Yes, mm-hmm. because you're yeah. feeling the pain you caused other people. And I think about that, I mean, all the time I try to, even when I get mad, I'm like, no, always do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like always put your best foot forward. I'm not going to go to hell. I'm not going to go to heaven or pass over and then see all the pain I caused everybody else. So yeah. I always try to think of that. Like, because life is really about love and gratitude mm-hmm. and understanding where other people are coming from and, it, you know, trying to put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. and try to see it from their perspective because they're relying on their own life experiences to have the perception and experience that they're having right now. Mm. That's good. So I think it's me just saying it in a different way. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, it's like saying you're, like heaven and hell could be in water on earth, you know, two different places. Or you could say, I'm just saying dis- distance from being in the water, in the water, out of the water, you know, like it's the same, <laughs> right. same idea yeah. um, to just different labels. And I, and I hear what you're saying too, about people who have unpleasant experiences in their near death experience. Um, it doesn't mean they're damned to hell forever. It just means that they're having unpleasant reviews or experiences yeah. uh, and maybe just be a farther distance from the source when they're um, yeah I always over. joke it you know when people are afraid of that being afraid of you know death is like the easy part yeah. dying itself does not hurt you know what no. I'm saying you might be in pain because you were in an accident or something but dying or going to the other side or leaving your body that's like that's you just step out it's like you stepped out of your car you stepped out of the house yeah Uh, it doesn't hurt at all yeah and so you know nothing to be you know afraid of the the hellish part would be existing on earth because yeah yeah life on earth I mean think about it I mean there isn't everybody has problems even your neighbor that you know has the best car on the street and the biggest house on the street he's got that person or that woman still has a lot of problems it's Because you're just seeing it from the outside. And if you had all those things, you're thinking to yourself, I wouldn't have any problems, right? But everybody has problems. We didn't incarnate without problems. Everybody incarnated with with trauma and problems to be resolved. But I always, I picture it almost like you chose to go to the amusement park, Earth, and you're on Mm -hmm. the roller coaster. Right. Pretty much. <laughs> right. And you, yeah. you know, you, you're climbing up and then you're down and then you're climbing right. up and you're, this is the ride that you picked. Yeah. You yeah. know, and exactly this, this is, this is the fun of it. Right. And like mm-hmm. you say, you can't have the joy without the pain. That's, that's why you have those two experiences for the mm-hmm. contrast. And, mm-hmm. you know, so like, it's all transient and enjoy it, you know, right it's a ride when, yeah. it is a ride right yeah even when you're you know going through those muddy valleys as I call it there's always sunshine waiting you know you just got to keep walking yeah. eventually it's all like temporary so it's yeah. all transient and nothing lasts forever that's what I tell yeah. my patients like this is temporary like yeah. things are gonna get better I know it's really bad right now believe yeah. me I've been in your boat right yeah but it doesn't last forever and there is a lesson you're going to come out on the other side with a new gained perspective and it might be life-changing for some people if yeah. depending on what the hardships are it sort changes people's lives yeah. these very difficult things that we have to go through what a great thing to hear right now in a global mm-hmm. pandemic when people are suffering mm-hmm. yeah some people are suffering some are thriving right we're all in a all different right. spot yeah 
So this is so fascinating. So you changed your life course. You went to the School of Naturopathic Medicine. Mm -hmm. You're a practicing medium. You and I met, mm -hmm. interestingly, on in a in an online course during mm -hmm. a pandemic, uh, doing intergenerational family trauma. Mm -hmm. And so here you are now practicing all these different. I mean, you've done some interesting postgraduate work, and you do combine science and intuition in the work that you do and you're doing, you're, you're living your life's path, your soul's <laughs> purpose, as you say, tell right. me about the average uh, week uh, in your work life. What do you do now with all of this? <laughs> right. I know it's a good question. Yeah. Um, so I split my time. I work as a physician half the time or two and a half or three days a week. And then I work as a medium and medical intuitive and ancestral healer another two or three days a week. And it just sort of varies. So someday I'll do uh, some weeks, I'll do two days of that and three days of the other, or the next week I'll reverse it. It just depends where I'm needed for that week. You know, one week there might be more patience. The next week it might be more spiritual work. And sometimes they sort of cross over too, because um, sometimes you see somebody who needs more spiritual work in order to heal. Yes. And sometimes somebody who has spiritual work and think that they can heal everything spiritually, but they actually need real medicine to heal them too, yeah. because there isn't, there is often not one or the other, because once something has manifested physically, and now you have a physical problem, right? Yes. You have like, uh, you have a bad digestion and you have in diarrhea every day. And, you know, you know, there's things going on. I, you know, I'm not just going to spiritually heal you because it's manifested physically so we kind of have to work on it physically and then also spiritually right and that that's my big goal is try to help people find that balance because we don't heal if we just go to the doctor and they say well here's a proton pump inhibitor or you know take some tums mm -hmm. that's not going to heal you it's not going to fix your problem mm -hmm. you know so you have to look at what it is that's causing that or maybe you have food allergies or maybe you have you know like a digestive disease or maybe you just don't have enough stomach acid to digest or not enough enzymes or who knows what it is a sluggish liver right could be gazillion things yeah and you have to work on that to help the the body and the organs heal whatever it is that's not working mm. but then there might also be a spiritual component to that that if you heal the spiritual component and heal the physical, the person will actually heal mm -hmm. versus somebody who just takes a medication for the rest of their life because we tend to forget that the pharmaceutical industry is a business. Mm -hmm. they, they need to make a profit. Mm -hmm. And so how are they going to make a profit? They're going to try and get you on a medication that you have to take for the rest of your life because mm -hmm. that's going to bring a huge profit to that company. Mm -hmm. So that is also because everybody's in bed with everybody else because that's the, the economy of it all. Mm -hmm. And so the pharmaceutical companies then support the medical associations mm -hmm. and so that they will give these different pharmaceuticals, right? Sure, and yeah. so, so it's not always that, you know, the way you can heal someone. Of course, medications are sometimes needed and it is the best way for that person to exist because maybe they can't exist without that medication. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, then that's what you have to do. But, um, you know, people that also think that they can heal spiritually, 
when in fact they do need a pharmaceutical medication and that is how you're going to heal and go mm -hmm. on with your life so you can resolve all the other sticky notes that you cut you know yeah, carry right. in your backpack and that is the best solution for these people but we tend to have camps of people yeah where People who are spiritual think that they can heal everything with celery juice or whatever the latest fad is that they read from some, uh, you know, medium online or some mm -hmm. fad or you know, there's something. And when the truth is that actually that person might be better off doing a medication or actually doing chemotherapy for cancer, mm -hmm. because that is how they're going to survive. Mm -hmm. But then you have these people, they think they can heal themselves, but in fact, that's not the path you signed up for. Mm -hmm. You signed up for this path where you're going to get this disease, then you're going to do chemotherapy and that's going to save your life. And then you're going to go on and do these things. That was what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. But this other person over here signed up for spiritual healing and they're going to succeed. And then we have, you know, person three who signed up for a combination of all of the above, mm -hmm. right? But that we tend to forget that when, when we're, people think that they're just one way to do it, but you have to figure out what the right way for you is. Yeah. And it can be everybody has everybody has their own path and their own lessons to learn. And mm -hmm. sometimes that involves ancestral healing, right? I like As what you're saying, though, the idea that if something has manifested physically, let's deal mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. And let's get to how, where did this, you know, start? Or where did this come from? Too, yeah, if we, if we need to go there. And yeah. you know, it makes such good sense to me. And that's one of the questions we had in the course. Mm -hmm. So, you know, can't, can't, you know, erectile dysfunction be low testosterone? Like, does it really right. have to be an intergenerational <laughs> trauma issue? Yes. And yeah. yes, like, you know, it's, you know, yeah. you know, both. And it could just be circulation. Many times it's just circulation. Yeah. And actually, if they just improve circulation, <laughs> their erectile dysfunction goes away and they yeah. might actually have normal testosterone. But here we go, because we're fed this information. Yeah. And so, oh, it's low testosterone. You should get testosterone. Pharmaceutical company stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's testosterone. So, but many times it's actually circulation and, and diet. Yeah. And if you can have, you know, if that person yeah. lose weight, maybe they're overweight, get some yeah. exercise going, get the circulation going, sure. nice hot and cold showers, all yeah. of a sudden everything works again. Yeah. Or maybe it's and emotional. And you didn't do anything except, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or it could be ancestral healing. It could be anything. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is to figure out what's right for each person. Yeah. What a gift right? it is that you have all of that. You don't subscribe to one camp or another. You actually can offer all of this, including relating to people who've had near-death experiences because they can feel very isolated and alone, as we said, like they, you know, mm -hmm. they're afraid to be called crazy or yeah. know, menopausal tend, or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they tend to get very sensitive. So yeah. people who have had near-death experiences, there are many stories about this and how they don't tolerate pharmaceutical drugs mm. anymore. And they get very sensitive and literally you have to give them a child's dose, like a dose you would give to like an eight-year-old. And this is a full grown male in his fifties because mm -hmm. he doesn't tolerate the higher doses anymore. Something happens to these people and they get really, really sensitive. And it happened to me too. I was every reaction, if there was one in 25,000 that would get a rash from this one drug, yeah. guess what? I would get the rash. And he was just, constant like this and so I had to find other ways to to heal myself when I was sick and going through my F yeah and I didn't know anything about it you know back then because I was just relying on my own intuition and yeah 
I had just studied nutrition yeah. back in 1988. I studied nutrition. So I obviously prepped myself for this to happen in 1992. Yeah. <laughs> so you uh, are going to write two No Weight Three books, as you mm-hmm. said, and you've written one so far. Do you know mm-hmm. yet? Has it been revealed to you what the second book is? Uh, it is. I know it is a, a more spiritual book because I knew that this first book um, that's called Med School After Menopause, The Journey on My Soul, is is a book about my events and my life, but each chapter has a message at the end and a little exercise because what I'm really trying to do is help other people transform their life, become more spiritual, become more clairvoyant. And so I tell them stories of what happened for me and how it you know, came to be for me and all these different stories throughout the book and then try to help people find that within themselves because we are intuitive creatures. We are human beings living in this universe. We all have a sixth sense. We all Mm -hmm. know walking into a room and everybody's mad. You're going to feel it. Nobody has to say anything. You know that everybody's mad, right? Mm -hmm. We already, we have these capabilities, but we've sort of turned them off and we haven't developed them. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, back in the day, we were way more intuitive, but now people are uh, relying on technology, everything is technology. People look at their phones all the time. They're uh, we have become a very disconnected society in itself, mm-hmm. and we are disconnected to our own families, to our own ancestors. Um, and that then causes problems in itself because we have more and more people that are feeling isolated, and now we're going through pandemic too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's bringing people back together and uh, creating actually smaller communities, still global communities where people know each other and live together work together how many of your neighbors do you know can you do you know every neighbor on your street do you know them by name almost now (laughs) because of pandemic (laughs) pandemic, everybody's home now i got to say how i know you know my two neighbors right next to me and that's it they don't know anybody else it's this last year has changed things for sure yeah 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 Yeah. but so So, to to your point yeah yeah we smaller communities because we don't know the people around us yeah, and we've kind of been, you know, become more and more disconnected yeah. to, to life and to where, who we are and where we come from. And we have these intuitive, you know, abilities that we're not using. We just don't and get so quiet I, enough yet to listen, do yeah, we? I just, yeah, I just, exactly. Because it's all about, you know, fine tuning that those other senses that we have that we don't use, mm-hmm. but we, we don't slow down. We're busy all the time. And it's part of our society is to look busy. So if you go you know, when we went to restaurants, which will come back soon, <laughs> where you go to a restaurant and people are eating by themselves, they're just staring at their phone, you know, mm-hmm. while they're eating the whole time. They're just looking at their phone because you have to be busy. Mm-hmm. It's our society being busy. And some mm-hmm. people will say, well, you know, I'm reading my emails or I'm reading an article, but you're also disconnecting from everything around you when you do that instead of okay, I'm going to eat my lunch and I'm going to look around and look, see these other people. Maybe the person next to me is sitting by themselves too and would like to have a conversation, Mm -hmm. but we don't do that. We don't pay attention to listening to the birds. We just sort of emerge into our little bubble and we kind of isolate ourselves that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to be interesting. And I see it with um, a lot of my, the younger population, anybody under 30, this is just what I've noticed uh, working as a doctor for four years, but anybody, any patient under four and under 30 grew up with technology and cell mm-hmm. phones and all that. And they all have, they don't like to make phone calls mm-hmm. because they all, well, you have anxiety, anxiety about what? Tell me something you have anxiety about making phone calls. 
Mm-hmm. That causes anxiety. They have to be on the phone, talking to someone, uh, opening the door or having conversations with people. Because um, these, you know, when I was a kid, we we fought who was going to open the door, who was going to get to answer the phone first. That was a race to the phone that to answer it because everybody wanted to answer it. You know, me and three brothers. I remember like, that. Racing, too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And like the doorbell's ringing. <laughs> who could it be? And like you got four kids like storming the, the door dog. trying <laughs> Yeah. Yes, they're first. And now it's like the doorbell's ringing. We're oh under my attack. God, who is it? Yeah. <laughs> Hide, right? And it's just like it's such a different world. Like, what have we done to our society? Like, yeah. we've created all these kids that have anxiety about making phone calls. Now, I'm not saying everybody has anxiety, but it is a common problem. It is. A, it's right? pervasive. And it is. I think it comes from that. And kids have being kept inside more kids aren't playing on the streets like when I when I was a kid it's like be home by dark mm-hmm. and we were out playing in the woods and mm-hmm. other neighborhoods for mm-hmm. hours and yeah. then we'd show up but you had we had a watch and you better be home by six because that's you know when you're supposed to be home yeah and nobody knew where you were and now it's like you can't even have your you know depending on where you live if you live in Los Angeles you know, crowded places. Yep. You can't trust. You can't have your kids, little kids, play in front of the house. Mm-hmm. It's too dangerous. Yeah, right? managed care all the time. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a very different society that they've been raised in. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so your book, uh, we'll put the link to your book, which anybody can buy anywhere in the world, as you say, yeah. mm-hmm. because they can download the the Kindle version. Or the yep. electronic version it's, of it. It's on Amazon, but if right. there are listeners in other countries, it's um, it goes out to other platforms. It's on Barnes and Noble and other platforms around okay. the world. So awesome! And you also have a podcast, Science mm-hmm. with Soul, and I'll put the link to your podcast on. Uh, well, we'll put the Apple link on anyway, and your website, etc., in the show notes. Sound good? Sounds Is there great. anything that you're doing right now that you'd like to promote um, before we sign off? This, prob- this episode will be out in March. Uh, in March, I think um, that it's about the time this spring, um, there is another book coming out that's called We Touched Heaven. Okay. And I'm a contributing author in okay. that book. Uh, and there is a lot of uh, very famous people that have contributed to this book and um given short stories about their different experiences. So it's going to be a great book. I'm really excited. I'm really honored to be part of that project yeah. to um, bring these um, you know, fabulous, incredible events in compacted in one book. So that's so cool. Yeah. So will people be able to find that book on your website then? Yeah, I'll be putting that up on my website as soon as it comes out. So awesome. I know they're putting the final touches on it right now. So it's getting close. That's Very great. Exciting. That's it. That is really exciting. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. And thank you so much for sharing. You shared a ton on this, uh, in this hour. So thank you very, very much, uh, for, for all of that. Yeah. My pleasure. Okay. Take care. <laughs> you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Friends. Thanks for listening. And if you liked this episode, please be sure to click on the thumbs up below for YouTube and comment. What did you like most? And what do you want to hear more of? I'd love to hear from you. And in case you missed it, the website is maureentowns.com. Bye.